Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. At the ACL Club, we know how important nutrition is during the recovery process. That is why we are all about Juice Plus. Juice Plus is 30 different fruits and vegetables in capsules that synergistically works together to work at a cellular level. Unlike supplements you take that can be hard for the body to fully absorb, Juice Plus is just food, so your body recognizes it and can put it to work right away. I used this during my ACL rehab in 2011 and it changed my recovery. So I have been taking it ever since because not only did it help me so significantly then, but I feel like it helps me bridge the gap of that nutrition that I think I'm getting and what I really need to get. Juice Plus can help you wherever you're at in life, but when you're recovering at the rate you are, this is so crucial in ACL rehab to get good nutrition. If you want to know more about Juice Plus and how it can aid your recovery and life, email me at jordan at theaclclub.com or you can go to jangeli.juiceplus.com to find out more info. Share your scars, what's happening? bringing you another podcast and this one is really interesting. I talked to Melissa Pankratz, one of the founders of the ACL Collective. She is an athletic therapist in Canada. One of the unique things about her journey is she really went through ACL recovery at the same time she was going through athletic therapy school in Canada, which is like a PT mixed with athletic training school in Canada. So she not only had the opportunity to go through this process, but to do it at the same time when she was learning all about how to recover and what her body was, how it functioned and everything like that. So she has a lot of information that she's gleaned from both things that she likes to share with her audience at the ACL Collective. Her story is so interesting and had a lot of struggle, had a lot of trials. But one of the things that we talk about is just how important it is to keep pushing yourself through those trials and how much growth you can have in this recovery process if you truly have a good growth mindset through the whole entire thing. I think you're going to love this, so I'm going to get to it. Here she is, Melissa. Melissa, I'm so excited to chat with you and not only to get to know you a little bit better, but to really dig into how we can continue to help this community because you do that so well with the ACL Collective. So welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be on the podcast, listen to it lots myself through my own journey. So I cannot wait to dive into some stuff with you. Yeah, well, that is an understatement, your own journey, right? That is, um, it has been a journey. And I think we kind of have to start with that because we talk to a lot of people who think that this is a six-month process or this is a nine-month process or this is, and it can be, and I'm not saying it can't be, but I also know that things aren't always linear the way that we want them to be. and. Your journey has really not been linear. So, <laughs> Melissa, I think first, um, maybe just start with with that because did did your injury get you set on this path to work in athletic therapy, or which which came first, the chicken or the egg? Here, yeah, um, that's a great question. I think they were almost simultaneous in the sense that 
when my injury happened, I was um, kind of nearing the end of my kinesiology degree, the first degree I have. And I was like, what do I do? Um, and I was already looking at going down the path of working as an athletic therapist, but wasn't fully sure if that was the route I wanted to take, if I wanted to do the PT route, like where I was going to go with this. Um, meanwhile, also kind of sort of rehabbing what I didn't know was an ACL mm. injury. And then, yeah, it really, they just kind of paralleled each other as yeah. I decided to go into school and then also started rehabbing from surgery and stuff. So Yeah, which is, um, I don't know, maybe kind of interesting. Maybe you wished you were in school a little bit before you were rehabbing, so then you would know the things, but you're probably learning them both at the same time. So um, I'm always just interested in how people get into um you know, you're from Canada, so you call it athletic therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, where we would call it like athletic training, but really you have such a wide range of knowledge that you can help in almost like a physio sense of what we would know here in the US totally. as well. Um, but you know, I had the thought when I was going through my rehab, like maybe I'll be a PT one day. You know, yeah. I think that going through this rehab really gives you an appreciation for like helping people in a bigger way, but for you, you kind of just wanted to help yourself in, in kind of a, yeah. a strange way. So um, tell us how the injury happened. And, you know, just as you're starting therapy school and you're like, okay, well, something's not right in my knee. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of a bit of a long-winded situation, but I'll try to pare it down. So um, initially the injury happened when I was playing in just a rec volleyball league um, when I, I was kind of nearing the end of my kin degree. And, uh, all that happened was I went up for an attack in the middle and as I was coming down, I could tell I was a little bit tight on the net, but the person across from me was also very tight on the net. Their knee came under as I was landing and they hit the side of my knee (laughs) and everything, as you can imagine, just dropped right in, rotated, nasty things, all that stuff. Um, no pop sound that I heard, but definitely didn't feel right went down screaming bloody murder like me too don't worry I right (laughs) freaking out just because something didn't feel right and so went down a really long route of um this was in 2017 so that was in 2015 2015 okay yeah (laughs) fair point so yeah that was in 2015 and went down the route of a couple months of like a couple MRIs seeing a couple different specialists and everyone kind of just like scratching their head. Like, I don't know, this doesn't make sense. You have instability, but your MRIs are clean. Um, and we can't tell if it's like a PCL, ACL thing. You're really stiff. You have quad inhibition, but like the MRI is clean. So let's just say whatever happened, you sprain something and let's just rehab it. Like it's not a total tear. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And at the time I didn't really realize what we were dealing with. And so rehabbed it, kind of got back to some semblance of normal, not 100%, but like good enough for what I thought I was capable of. And then in 2017 is when I was playing in a tournament and just at the end of the day um, was kicking off my shoes. Nothing had happened. Everything felt good. Everything went well, whatever. And my knee locks on me as I'm kicking my shoes off. And I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and if you've never had your knee lock, you're right now you're thinking, oh gosh. Yeah, right? It's like like it's such a weird, it's such a weird feeling. Yes, it's a gross feeling. And right away just blew up. And I was like super sore and suddenly couldn't walk really well on it. And I look at the time at my husband who was playing with me, and I'm like, what the heck? And he's like, Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> 
And so I go down the route of, okay, let's re-image this. Let's see what's going mm-hmm. on. There should be no reason why I could have retorn something. So was there something here all along that just never got addressed? And long story short, another clean MRI comes around and I finally get in with a knee specialist, uh, just through a friend of a friend kind of thing. And he's listening to me tell my story and he's like, this girl's lying to me. She's full of crap. You could tell it's all over his face, like just deadpan, doesn't want to hear the whole story, doesn't want to let me talk. And so he kind of cuts me off quick with some stuff and gets me on the table and he does what's called a pivot shift test, which I'm sure mm-hmm. all of us with ACL stuff have experienced. Mm-hmm. And it's the grossest feeling if your ACL is torn. And I kid you not, first of all, I was like nauseous when it happened because I just mm-hmm. felt so many things move that shouldn't move. Mm-hmm. And he perks up and he's like, oh, hold on. And he goes running back into his office and he's like looking at my MRI again. And then he comes running back in five minutes later. He's like, well, I don't know what your MRI is about, but you don't have an ACL. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how doctors can be so blunt? Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. Cool. Well, my life has just changed. Thanks for being so enthused about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, yes, I know. It probably gave you a little bit of a like, okay, I kind of have felt like something has not been right this Mm -hmm. whole time. And, you know, I, I don't live in Canada, so I don't know, but I know that it's difficult to get to the right person that you need to get to in a timely matter in Canada. So I'm not saying you would have waited a long time to find this person anybody's, but you, you waited an extra long time because you weren't (laughs) even correctly diagnosed. So now you add a couple of years to that and, oh, I bet there was a, a lot of relief in just knowing that you weren't crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was a weird experience because it was a little bit scary, but also still like, thank goodness, I'm not, I'm not crazy, right? Yeah. Um. So ended up getting it fixed in May of 2018. Had a hamstring graft put in. Um, Why'd own. you go with hamstring? So <laughs> that's the other funny thing is I didn't get a choice. I mm. like he was just like I do hamstrings. We're doing a hamstring, and I was like, okay. And now knowing what I would know, I don't know that I would have wanted a hamstring graft. I don't know what I really would have wanted. Honestly, mm-hmm. everything's so up in the air these days. But yeah, like it would just kind of surprise me. So whatever. Anyways, we do that. I end up moving for athletic therapy school to okay. kind of a different location, Vancouver Island, for anybody who's around here. Nice. And beautiful. Super gorgeous. <laughs> and end up kind of because of that, seeing a couple of different therapists, a PT, an AT, a different AT all along the way. Um, and everyone's kind of scratching their heads going, this isn't making sense. Like, why are you still so swollen? Why are you struggling so much to gain quad strength and range of motion and all these things? Like it just, nothing's adding up. This is taking too long. And so around about the eight or nine month mark. So January of like 2019, I guess this would have been, I finally got in with a specialist on the Island and he was like, oh, your ACL is way too lax. Like, I don't know who did this, but the placement's not great. The, the, the ligament's way too lax. Like, you have way too much mm. movement here. No wonder this isn't going well for you. Mm. <laughs> so he's like, let's just do a PRP injection, which now I'm like, why did we even bother? But okay. Um, and so we do that. Obviously does nothing. Yeah, money grab. Absolutely. Make some money. <laughs> um, so we do that. It doesn't work. And then he goes, okay, I want to put in an anterior lateral graft. 
So Okay, well, you told me about this. I need to know more because I didn't even, I don't even know what an anterior lateral graft is, like yeah. behind but sideways, a gra- I don't know. Like tell yeah. me, tell us more because yeah, what was the thinking like, behind this? Totally. It's kind of tricky. Um, so basically the idea is that from my understanding that you're trying to decrease the amount of like rotational laxity that I had mm-hmm. and some of that like lateral shifting that I would get in my knee. And so you have this little ligament called the anterior lateral ligament. That's not super talked about because it's about as skinny as a piece of hair. What? I know it's like tiny. Apparently this is what he told me. I don't know. I've done like a small amount of research on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So he goes, um, you put this in just because it does tear when you tear your ACL every time. And for some Mm -hmm. people that extra bit of rotational stability ends up helping them. So They'll do either, I think, like a peroneal tendon graft or like a cadaver graft, which I had a cadaver graft, and they'll throw this little ligament on like the outside of your knee, kind of in front of your LCL, side Mm -hmm. your IT band, something like that in there, and I might be butchering that a little bit. Um, And yeah, and it just helps with that rotational stability a little bit. Okay. Now, the problem with mine was um, the graft he put in was way too thick. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it even is noted in his surgical notes, which I found out later, was like just the thickness of the tendon he got, the cadaver tendon was already too thick. He tried to pare it down a bit, but it still probably went in too thick. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like kind of similar to an IT band syndrome where this rubber band felt like it was just rubbing back and forth over the side of my knee, like so nasty. Mm -hmm. Every time I would bend it, no matter what I did. So before, really quick, before you continue with that, before, did you have, that's where the instability was, was on the lateral part of your knee? Yeah. So you felt shift because I feel like IT band stuff can pop up a lot after ACL reconstruction. So it's, it's strange to me that you would add more to that area. So I'm just, I'm trying to figure out why, Yeah. why there. Yeah, no, and I totally agree. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that because now I think it's like in research, they've started to show that it's not a great graph to be putting in anyways. Like why do okay. we do that? They uh, were just trying to figure out a way on your specific situation to give you some more stability because there was laxity in yeah. in the graft that was put in. Oh, exactly. I'm sorry. No, yeah. It was what it is. It was an experience. I know. I've seen other athletes with it or like people who have been asked if they want that. And I've been like, no, you don't want it. <laughs> Like to all of them, you know, so it's helped me figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so unfortunately, because of that rubbing and grinding, I I could, what I found out, literally feel it start to tear, like those fibers start to tear because of that grinding, um, which is truly what it felt like, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And so despite being able to maybe return rehab wise to things a little bit faster that go around and stuff, and maybe it explains some of that instability I had it it kind of fixed it a little bit it it caused so much extra pain now that I was like well what's the point in this um so I gave it about a good year ago um and that sorry that surgery was in December of 2019 just for timeline Mm -hmm. sense um and through 2020 obviously the pandemic was a hot mess we were unsure of what our Mm -hmm. lives were going to look like rehabbing during that time which could be a whole nother topic was just so painful like yeah (laughs) just torture um yeah and so 
finally I was like, this is not right. And so I got in with a sport med doc at a university I was doing some of my um, placement time at during mm-hmm. night three. Mm-hmm. And the sport med doc there was like, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on here. I don't, I don't know what all this is, but why, like at the time I was still quite a bit swollen down my lower leg into my calf and stuff like that, oh, which was wow. bad. Mm-hmm. It was hot all the time and discolored. So it almost looked like my leg was infected all the time, which was a bit weird. Hmm. Um, to add on top of that, um, we were starting to go, okay, so you've been rehabbing for two plus years. Why hasn't your hamstring come back? Where did your hamstring go? <laughs> like, why yeah. do you look like you have a ruptured hamstring in the back of your leg? Like there's a divot there. <laughs> and so this sport med doc's looking at me going, I'm sending you for a couple different things. Okay. (laughs) Kind of like, where do I start? Yeah. Where do we start in this? Well, exactly. He goes, let's MRI the knee. Let's MRI your thigh to find out what's up with the hamstring. Mm -hmm. And let's send you in for an ultrasound on your leg. Just on the off chance, there's something like blood supply, blood return, venous, whatever going on. Yeah. Okay. He's like, just want to rule it out. That's Um, what he said. Yeah. You're like, yes, please. (laughs) Right. I want to know everything's okay in there. Yeah. So that night I get a phone call right away from the hospital. Come in. You need to come in now. Let's do this ultrasound. And I'm like, oh, so this is urgent. Okay. All right. So I go in, they do this ultrasound. They kick me over to emerge. <laughs> just no what? conversation. Just you need to go to emerge now. They didn't tell you anything. Not what were you thinking in your brain? I'm like, oh no, this is worst case scenario. This is, this is the ruled in situation. It's not ruled out. It's ruled in. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. I would have been like, do I need to call my parents? Like, right? <laughs> who do I call? I don't right? know. I know. So I get into Emerge and the sport med doc texts me and he goes, I'm so sorry, but I'm so glad I sent you. You have a deep vein thrombosis in one of your veins. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I have a blood clot in, or I had in my um, deep femoral vein. Which and this had could have been that whole time when yeah. you had the discoloration, the heat, the yeah. I mean, what a blessing that you found that out before it got dislodged and did something way worse. Exactly. Exactly. So I go the whole course of getting some blood thinners and all that, which was the only reason I was in Emerge anyways, because it wasn't bad enough. It wasn't a total blockage. It wasn't anything like that. It was just enough for it to be present to cause some issues. Yeah. And it was funny because I didn't have any of the classic symptoms of DVT. I didn't have like the pain per se associated with it deep in my calves or anything like that that people typically think of. So everyone's like, what? (laughs) Like, oh, that's a lot. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then... After that, shortly, I got... This was in 2021? So that was in 2021, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so after a couple, like a month or so after that, I got the MRIs for my thigh and for my knee. And the knee obviously showed that, yes, this thick graft that's in there, it's starting to tear. It's partially torn at this point. It's causing mm-hmm. you loads of issues. No wonder you're feeling the way you're feeling. And then on top of that, the wildest part, which I don't talk about a lot because it's kind of weird and confusing, but... The hamstring graft that I had, so that hamstring they took that graft from, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a question mark of did this get reattached properly or did it rupture at some point and I just didn't notice, which like is kind of hard to believe. How would you not? Yeah. Right? So long story short, that semi-tendinosis is now chilling up in the back of my leg. (laughs) 
Okay. So to explain to people Mm -hmm. a little bit more, when you take a graft from a hamstring, you're taking out some of the muscle, but also the tendon portion, which connects to the back of your knee. Yeah. So typically the tendon portion only though, it's a pretty long tendon. Okay. Um, So what they'll do, and it actually inserts just below kind of the front middle part front of the knee, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just on your tibia. And so they cut you there. That's why most people have that line there from, Mm -hmm. from their surgeries. And so they'll open you up there, cut this whole thing up to just the little bit of tendon left and they pull the muscle back down and reinsert it onto your tibia. (laughs) And so Somehow in that process, she got lost up in the leg, is my guess, because that's where she's living. (laughs) I assume I would have felt if it had ruptured, just a thought, but. And you're also, you know, at that point when you have that graft, you're going to have pain in your hamstring from the graft being taken out. So if it weren't attached and that's, you know, making its way up your leg, you're, you don't know in that moment, okay, is that pain from where the graft was? Or should I be worried that my hamstring is now living in the middle of my thigh and not where it should be lower down. Oh my gosh. No way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, um, I ended up getting referred to a third surgeon specifically regarding the anterior lateral graft that is tearing its way through my body. (laughs) And, um, he kind of agrees and goes, yeah, this doesn't make a lot of sense. It looks like it was too thick to begin with. Um, can we do a cortisone injection first just to see if that numbs out the pain and you're good? I'm like, Hey, fine, whatever. I'll play ball at this point, whatever checks your boxes. I get, you want to be conservative, whatever. So we do that. Doesn't work. Doesn't do anything. Shocker. And I go operate now, please. Okay. Take it out. I don't want it anymore. (laughs) I don't care what it does to my body. Mm -hmm. Just get it out. So he goes in and oddly enough, a couple days prior to surgery, I was, messing around with some girlfriends we were trying to do like back bridges (laughs) like just on the floor in the gym and I feel my knee like get stuck and then click and pop and done and then I'm like I shoot my leg out from under me and I'm like flat out on the ground and I was like something just happened in that area where that graft was Mm. but suddenly that grinding pain gone (laughs) a a few other things kind of pop up but that pain is did you tear through the whole thing yeah. Who yeah. knew? You just need to do a back bridge this whole time. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> ruptured the Ow. Yeah. Okay. So did you go through a surgery then? I did. So it was, it was shortly before surgery anyways. And I kind of mm-hmm. told the surgeon, look, I felt this thing happen um, on a phone call we had a couple days before surgery. And he's like, oh, so you don't need surgery then. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Take it out. I want that all gone. Yeah. Take yeah. it out. So he Especially went in- if it's a cadaver because yeah. you... It's not a piece of your body. So no. there there are times, like, I know my body rejected a cadaver graft. Yeah. So, like, your body can reject them as well. So it's probably best to, even if it's torn, to just exactly. say sayonara. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm already in a position where you're going to operate anyways. We have the date. We have the time. Like, let's just yeah. do it. Yeah. So went in, he removed that. He was like, yep, it was fully torn. Like, there were just fragments everywhere. It was a mess. He's like, I clean that all up, but he had to go in and he ended up removing most of my screws on that whole lateral side as well. So from the ACL, he removed that little button screw. He removed both screws from that anterior lateral graft as well. Just so it was Mm -hmm. all just kind of out. Yeah. And just nothing else could potentially cause any grinding or anything. Mm -hmm. And then the wildest thing he said to me was your ACL was stable. You weren't testing positive on anything anymore. Like 
which was the reason why I got the second surgery was I could still test positive on a pivot shift at that time. I could still test positive on an anterior drawer, a Lockman's, all those tests. Right. So do you think some of the instability was just because your hamstring wasn't working? Could have been. It could have also just been the graft just needed a bit longer to mature. Mm -hmm. Like it just wasn't happy in there yet. Right. (laughs) So like I, in hindsight, and it's, I can't think this way. It's just not healthy. But like I could have avoided surgery two and three altogether. Yeah. (laughs) Which is hard. It is hard, but I'd also in your practice, like what you're doing now, that's Mm -hmm. a really good like note to remember. We cannot speed up the healing process. No. No matter what we try to do, we can do all the things we can take. We can eat the best way we want, We, but we can have good nutrition, mm-hmm. good supplements. We can rest. We can do all the right things, but our body can just say like, mm, I'm just not quite healed yet. And yeah, exactly. the patience of that is a really, really difficult part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think maybe you have – the knowledge to pass that on to other people who are like, okay, I just don't feel right. Well, maybe you just need a little bit more time, you yeah. know, which is a hard thing to tell people, but also it's better to have two weeks, three weeks, a month longer in the middle of your process than to go through three years where then yeah. you're like, what did I just, you know, you're thinking what you are, Melissa. You're yeah. like hindsight. What did it, what it, should I have done that? Um, right. <laughs> but it was, what you needed to do in the yeah. moment. And that's all we can do is make the best decisions we can in that moment. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't I, and I say this all the time, I would never take any of this back at this point because mm-hmm. it's taught me so much. It's brought me through so many like growing pains as like a young adult through my like mid twenties. Like it's just, I've had to learn so much from it. So like, why would I take any of that I back? Know. Like it's, also just made me a way better therapist to be way more in tune with the people I'm dealing with because a I know exactly what all of this feels like Mm -hmm. I've been there I've literally seen every corner of the medical care system because of it and b I understand you like I I can feel what you're going through because I've literally felt it so it's just like that empathy is a really strong connector I mean, it's the reason why you probably really feel connected with what you're doing. It's the reason why I started the ACL club. It's Mm -hmm. the empathy of um, saying, all right, I, I, I see that scar. I know what you've been through. And I just want to tell you, like, I'm proud of you. Yeah. People, I think just need to know that there are people there supporting them through, through their journey and that empathy that's a huge thing that I think we learned through this process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so funny you say that too, even because like um, at the university and I won't name names, but like we just had an athlete this morning go through ACL surgery and she was out and she was texting me. She's like, okay, it's day one. And I was like, yes, it is day one. Let's mm-hmm. go. You've got yep. this, right? Exactly. So it's just already, it's like, boom, connection. You yep. got this. I got you. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that there's there's empathy in that, but there's also like a little humility because she's going to probably go through things that you didn't and you're going to be like, I don't know. Yeah. And it's okay to not know all the things about, you know, I, I was just asking you about these things that you're going through. Like, I don't know what those are, but it doesn't mean that I can't be curious and I can't want to know more to help other people. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think those are two really big things that you learn in this and um gosh, to go through it when you're younger, you know, those are lessons that some people don't learn until they're much older. So yeah, absolutely. um, Yeah. So I, did you get the hamstring fixed? (laughs) No. So 
the thing with that is it's too far gone. It'd been sitting mm. up there for like two and a half years at that point. They're not going to touch that. It's adhered itself to every service possible, yeah. made its lovely home up there. It's happy. Okay. Um, so no, I didn't, I didn't go pursue that and that's fine. And she's cute. We're not going to be a leg model anytime soon. That's fine. We love her anyways. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I, so just listening to your story, Melissa, like I have a lot of questions on the Mm -hmm. now on what you're doing with the ACL collective. And I want to talk about that and what you're doing with athletic uh, therapy, but I, something you said earlier is just interesting to me. And I I think about this a lot because when you go through this for the first time, you don't know. Mm -mm. You don't know what doctor you're going to see. You don't know what PT to go to. You have never probably ever been hurt before. Like I, I maybe strained my quad once. Like I had not done anything. I never even rolled an ankle. And then like, I have to have surgery on a tiny ligament that keeps my legs, you know, stable. So It's just like a whole new world. How how do you manage this idea of going into a doctor and just trusting what they say, but also being able to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and listen? I think there's this real delicate, like, you have to trust your doctor. You have to trust your PT. Um, but maybe are there some things that you've learned in your process of like, I if I would have done that again, I would have said this, or I would have asked this, or I would have asked myself this in that situation. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that come to mind with that, especially after seeing like three different like knee orthopedic surgeons and then a bunch of different sport med docs and all that. I think at the end of the day, like to summarize and before I go into little bits, I think if it doesn't feel right, if you're not getting your questions asked, if you feel like they're not listening to you or they're not giving you the time of day like you think you should have, at least to a certain extent, then get a second opinion. Go somewhere else. Like talk to other people. Find like-minded people or like people who have experienced these things. Ask them, is this your experience? Am I maybe overreacting? No? Okay, then I know I'm in the right to ask for more here, right? I think we often think, you know what, the specialists are the specialists for the reason, and they're going to know everything. And no, like, that's just not it. Like, I think about, I mean, first of all, like, when I was first in this position, I should have had some idea of the human body to a certain extent. And I still felt super clueless. Absolutely. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't know that I should have been maybe doing more like quad sets or different things like that. I didn't know, like one of the surgeons I saw um, initially after the injury happened in 2015, he didn't even touch me. He didn't do a pivot shift test. He didn't do it. He just was like, can you squat? Well, then you're fine. Get out of my office. (laughs) And I didn't, I was like, okay, I guess so. Bye. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But what did you feel in that moment? Were you just like, I felt like so not seen. Like I was like, really, that's it. Are we for real here? Okay. Well, I guess I just don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah. And I yeah, and never... I think it's easy to go into that mindset because we don't know. But mm-hmm. I just remember sitting in the doctor's office and just feeling like this is all happening so quickly. And I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel in this moment, but I feel really overwhelmed. Yes. And they were just like, we're going to do an allograft and – 
this is going to be, you know, we're going to get you back to where you want to go. And I just would say to people, just be cautious of the push to get, you know, to tug on your heartstrings of like, I'm going to be the fastest or get you back the quickest or whatever it is. If you don't have a, a orthopedic who's telling you like, hey, I want you know, my last one was amazing. And he was like, Hey, I don't know if you're going to ever play soccer again, but I know that you, I am going to get you back to being the best you and you're going to be, you're going to be good. And that was all I really needed to hear. Like I knew that I could, if I wanted to play, that could be a possibility then, but I didn't need to know I could play in um, six months. I needed to know that someone cared about my life. Yes. Because Because for them, it's another surgery. But for you, it's your life. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So it is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so funny you say that because like the third surgeon I finally saw who did my last operation, he gets into the room and I'm already like gunning for him. I'm like, this is my third go around. I know exactly what I need to say to this man. And he sits down in his chair and he goes, Kate. Can you just tell me what's been going on? Like, so just like right away, heart open, casually, whatever, which was so different than what I've experienced. It's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. here for your knee. What are you doing with your knee? What's going on? I am so like mm-hmm. cold. And right away, he felt warm. And so I kind of explained things and I try to keep it brief because I'm used to being, you know, cut off. And he goes, no, tell me more about, you know, X, Y, Z. And I was like, whoa, okay, sure. So I share a little bit more. And he goes, you sound really frustrated. I was like, I am. You see me. <laughs> You're hearing me. You're actually listening to what I'm saying. Yeah. And and I I do think that there is something to be said about that. And and I think when we get into that first, and you probably felt this way too, is you you finally get to a doctor and they're saying that you could do surgery. And you know, for a lot of people, that's just weeks after they've had their injury and they've already felt like, yeah. man, I've lost so much, and it's been three weeks or whatever. And I want to get it done as quickly as I can. Yes, <laughs> but also a month more to talk to one or two other surgeons to really feel like you found somebody that you want to go with is so worth it. Yes. Absolutely. So worth it going into a surgery with the mindset of like, I know this doctor is caring for me. Yeah. Yeah. Caring for me. So, um, Yeah. And, and I think that's a big thing that we, you know, with the ACL club, I created this because I just felt like they're, hello, there's, here's your PT, here's your doctor, here's all this. But like, how about like our brains, which are controlling everything yeah. and just so neglected a lot in this process. Oh, for sure. Um, so I wanted to address things like this, where people might be in that doctor's office today listening to this and be like, yeah, I didn't feel like this is where I should go. So yeah. I might call back and be like, Hey, I, I'm going to see another doctor just to see. Um, and then that that's okay. Even totally. if you go back to that doctor, it's yeah. okay. Um, but you, you have mentioned that too. And, and I, I see that through the content that you're creating is really finding connection with the people that you work with. So mm-hmm. first let's talk about ACL collective, how you started it. Um, I know why you started it. It seems <laughs> like, I mean, you're, you're trying to figure out a way to really speak to, people in this space. It's such a, a, a beautiful niche of people mm-hmm. who are 
just wanting to get back to being fully themselves. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess the important thing to mention too is like the ACL Collective never used to just be me. Um, I had a wonderful friend who also did it with me who's been through two ACL surgeries, um, Kirsten. She's a wonderful individual and life's gotten busy between the two of us and I don't blame her, but she's kind of focused on other things right now. So it is just me right now and that's great. And she's always welcome to come back and she knows that. But um, for now, me just running the ACL Collective and our primary goal when we started the whole thing was really to probably similarly to you to reach out to anyone who is willing to hear us out into the abyss (laughs) and be like, you know what? Like we can provide more education around this. We can provide really personal stories from us and like others around us about everything that different people go through so that people feel less alone in the process, even if they don't directly have someone right around them that understands things Um, to even just like you said, give people a laugh every once in a while over some stupid dancing in my bedroom. Like, (laughs) yeah. So just all that fun stuff is kind of why we wanted to create it initially and why I, I try to keep it running and, um, while I, I post probably a lot less than I used to, um, it's still a place where I want people to feel comfortable to come and feel safe and supported. But I guess in saying that too, I think because of how taxing the internet is sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> with all this information flying at us and all these beautiful, beautiful posts about like very much curated, perfect things, um, I also want to make it loud and clear that like, if my platform is not helping you mentally at this time, because it's just too much to see someone else's success because you're struggling, like, please take a break from it. Like put me on you. Like don't follow my page for a while. Like I know to be completely honest, I did that to a lot of people during my process where I put them on mute for a while. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm ready to receive that content again because Mm. it, you really have to so much take care of yourself during this. So I think Like, I want people to know that it's okay to just, like, go through those ups and downs, but, like, find some positivity in it. Find, like, places that are safe for you and everything like that. And if that's our page, great. Like, awesome. (laughs) Come join us. I like how you mentioned that about social because I haven't thought about it in that specific um, realm, which Mm -hmm. I should, but I I think of it more in the sense of like you work in a university. So you see athletes all the time who have been taken out of their team environment and are in this, you know, maybe it's this up and down where they're like, do I go to practice and watch my team? Or do Mm -hmm. I just take a break from my team and focus on myself? And now I want to go and now I don't. And is that wrong? Is it right? And I, I tell people all the time, like, no, like you just have to, if it, if you want to go that day, go. But I, I do think that it's important for the growth of not only yourself, but for everybody. And not that you have to do this on social because you don't <laughs> owe anybody anything. But if you're on a team, it's so powerful to go to your team and to say, hey, can I talk to you guys after training? Yeah. And to just say, like, thank you guys for your support and thank you for um, understanding what I'm about to tell you because it's not easy for me to say, but like coming to training every day and not being able to participate is really crushing me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't want to be here. It's that it's more painful for me to be here right now in this moment than it is for me to focus on myself and to get a little bit healthier. So there might be days where I come and there might be days where I don't come. And it's not because I don't care and I don't want to be a part of this team. 
it's because I know that I can only be the best part of this team if I'm the best for myself. And, um, but that's the same thing that you're saying in that way with, with social too. And I think is it just a grander, you know, world chatter right now, like not just on ACLs, but just in general, like if something is not making you feel like it's benefiting you, like mute it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not worth the mental toll of watching people in the same process that you're in succeeding when you don't feel like you're succeeding. And that is challenging you in a different way when you can focus on yourself and, and count the little small wins you're getting and focus on that as opposed, as opposed to just comparing yourself to somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. Because it is so hard when you're in the trenches of rehab Mm -hmm. and someone's post pops up about this awesome success they're having. And you're like, that's great. I want that. And then you start comparing yourself to it. And Mm -hmm. it's hard. And especially when you've had a very maybe non-linear rehab, Yeah. um, which if you have had a linear rehab, man, God bless you. You You're very lucky. Like that is few and far between. And I think we need to be a lot louder about that. That is Mm -hmm. rare like that. And that Mm -hmm. is okay. Maybe the non-linear way of things, the roller coaster, the classic graph of a mess we've seen on social media. I know, yeah. It's actually the truth. And that's just how that is because body's healing and Mm -hmm. like individuality is gonna absolutely change the trajectory of what things look like. So what what else, what did you use during your recovery process? Because it was pretty long. What what Mm -hmm. are the things that you leaned on that helped you either take a break from thinking about your knee all the time or gave you a little bit of, um, I don't know, kept you motivated? What are some of the like mental um, crutches, stability braces, whatever they are, things that helped your brain stay in a place where you always knew you could refocus back on like, all right, I can do this. Yeah. I think there was a few different things to be honest. Like, and in saying all this, I'm not done yet unfortunately. Um, I'm definitely, so you could tell us what you're doing right now. Yeah, no. So <laughs> the answer is not a lot. Um, <laughs> I like my last kind of bit of rehabs, the kind of last six months after my, um, final surgery. So from about like November, December of 2021 up until about May of 2022, um, I was hitting the ground hard. I was doing all the things we were, you know, pretty on track to get back into like running and jumping and, and all that stuff. And as I started to dive into those things a little bit, stuff started going kind of south for me in terms of just some flare ups of like some foot pain and biomechanical issues that were coming up that were like, Oh, yeah, right. We haven't jumped and ran for almost five years now. That is why Mm -hmm. this is an issue. And we've been limping and we've created patterns, I'm sure that weren't there before. Exactly. So Um, meanwhile, I'd also just newly moved back to the mainland near Vancouver and everything like that. And so, and finished graduated school, like wrote a certification exam, waited to see what my life was going to look like in those few months following that, like all that stuff. So lots of life changes. And I just was so overwhelmed and I just cold Turkey cut everything. (laughs) And some people might freak out about that idea and maybe this applies to some people and maybe it doesn't, but I had gotten to the point where, yeah, almost five years in, well, four years in really from the point of my first surgery, um, 
I was done rehabbing. I was over it. I'm done. I need a break. I need Mm -hmm. to not be focused on me so much that it's like so selfish at this point. It's ridiculous, right? Like I felt the same way. (laughs) In the middle of my last rehab, I took, I think my PT was like, I don't want to see you for a month. You need to, you need to not do anything for a month. And I was like, no way. Like I can't. But at the same time, I was like, good. I'm like, it makes me want to cry. I was just so tired. Yeah. I was tired of it. Yeah. So I totally get where you were at. Right. And to be honest, I didn't pick up doing anything new until like the end of December <laughs> this year. That's <laughs> like, fine. I, I, I'm i the girl that was like, I was a strength and conditioning coach for years. I were, I lived in the gym and whether that was doing rehab or just like, you know, training for life. Like I just, I lived in the gym and I have never taken such a long hiatus from like structured training. And it was weird at first to kind of accept it, but it was also so freeing because I just had way too much going on in the background with life and stuff to be able to give of myself to that. And I'm so glad looking back now that I've done it and that I'm like not forcing myself back into life now with that, but mm-hmm. just gradually kind of rolling the snowball in the snow and seeing what yeah. we pick up, you know? Yeah. So, I love that. Yeah, right? I don't know. So that's kind of what's up now. Um, eventually, I'm looking to kind of start picking back up where I left off and seeing what we have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, to add to the mix, I just found out I have a labral tear in my right hip. <laughs> Like literally, is that your same leg? <laughs> is that your same leg? No, it's my other leg. Huh. I know. So that kind of. How did you do that? <laughs> it's like a stupid, not great story. I just like I fell onto a toilet seat a little too hard and jammed my hip. A Dang it! Too much. Yeah, it wasn't even a cute story. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, those. We need we need stronger squats there. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's just interesting to me. It really is interesting too, and I'm sure you think about this. This is oftentimes with knee injuries, it tends to be one thing after another, after another, after another, afterwards, you know, and I'm not saying it's a labral tear or it's a another ACL. It's, you know, it's a constantly sprained ankle or it's yeah. plantar fasciitis or it's um, you're over-dominant on a certain part of your, like, there are some things I think during rehab that um, I don't know, the, the, like ways that we could be a little bit better through physical therapy to work on like strict mechanics and like, how do we reteach these things that have been, that have gone awry? Yeah. Um, so people aren't having multiple things. And I think it also is just our culture of like, let's get them back quick. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because the quicker you get back, you know, there seems to be some kind of pride in that. And mm-hmm. I can just tell you there's no pride in that. No. There is no pride in getting back quickly. No. Um, the pride comes in when you've played 10, 12 years of volleyball after, mm-hmm. or you get, you know, you finally get back to that after a really long trying period. So, um, yeah, I think that's just an interesting thing that you, it doesn't sound related, but it made me think about just the injuries that can be related to one another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess to like go back to your question of how have I dealt with all of this? I mean, yeah, I think it's important to note too, though, like, during a lot of this time, like I've seen like sport psychologists, counselors dealt with a lot of like mental health based issues around this. And even just sometimes it was just about talking about what was going on. And 
if someone didn't feel right in that realm to deal with, if they didn't feel like they were helping me kind of get through what I was going through, I just moved on to someone else. I was like, well, you're not helping. So I'm going to talk to someone else. And like, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to do that. Like, just like Mm -hmm. with your physical therapist, with your doctor, with whoever, like talk to someone else. Um, And like, I leaned a lot on family during that time. Um, My husband works in a similar field. He's a podorthist and he like totally gets a lot of this so he was just like oh my gosh like how can I be helpful he was so yeah. supportive to even and I've posted it a couple times but like painting my toenails post-op and stuff and like <laughs> doing yeah. all sorts of cute things so just you need a support system and I cannot emphasize that enough and don't be afraid to reach out to your teammates to your friends and just say hey can you check in on me every once in a while like yes. I'm not gonna want to ask you but I need you to do that for me yes okay? I even tell people like if you're a teammate, like put a reminder in your phone mm-hmm. that once a week you just send, like send a text to Jordan. Yes. Cause you know, cause she's going to need it. Just like, Hey, what's up? And, and also tell people like, sometimes people don't know what to ask. So say like, if I was the one injured, I would say, Melissa, like, I just, can you just hang out with me today? I don't want to talk yeah. about my knee. I don't want to focus on that. I just yeah. want to feel like I'm a normal person. Absolutely. Um, so there is a there is a huge benefit in communication, and I think one of the things that I always loved, and maybe part of what you love, you kind of already mentioned it, is that relationship with athletes and mm-hmm. being being someone that they can confide in. Like, how big a, do you think that is in in the rehab process? It's huge. Like, you have all these thoughts that you just get to live with that are just kind of screaming in the background all the time. And sometimes you get sick of talking about it to like your closest family or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you maybe do need to talk about it. And I think when you've set up a bit of like a system with friends, teammates, whatever, and said, I need you to check in on me, like you said, remind yourself once a week to do it or remind yourself every Monday to come chat or whatever. I think that's huge because then you don't have to feel like you're going out of your way to reach out to them. And am I annoying them? And I always talk about my knee. I'm boring myself now. Like, (laughs) you know, so like, no, they're coming to you because they care about you. They want to make sure you're okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're putting in that effort for you and never feel like that's too much or never feel like you're too much. Like take up that space. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah. I don't I think we get so tied up in feeling so selfish and bad about that. It's like, no, dude, this is your life. This like this formative time is going to set you up for life. Yeah. So use it, take it, learn from it, love it. Because then in the future, if you're going through a tough path in life, maybe, maybe you're better at reaching out to someone and being like, hey, can you check in on me? Like life's been really challenging. Nothing you do with your knee, just life. Like, yes. So I think, yeah, be okay with, with those things. Mm, You're allowed yeah. to be okay with that. That's really good advice. I love that. Um, one thing before we go, I do want to say you got, you played volleyball yeah. just a few months ago, right? <laughs> yes. In October, <laughs> I played. So what was that? I mean, it had been how many years? Five years? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Almost five years. It was like a month shy of five years since that first tournament in 2017 that I played in were you ever told you weren't going to be able to play volleyball again absolutely over and over again do you think that's fair that doctors or PTs say that oh no it's so frustrating because then you start to believe it like I had so many people tell me that and then 
I even like when I was working with my last therapist over the last kind of year post-op from that surgery, <laughs> he was like, do you want to play volleyball again? And I was like, no, I mean, people have said I'm not going to, so I probably won't. <laughs> and he was like, I mean, but do you want to? And I was like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's in my, my wheelhouse anymore. Yeah. You know? And I would constantly kind of belittle myself with it. And then um, with my hip, I ended up working with a different PT and he was like, no, really? Like, is this what you want? Because if you want it, we'll get you there. Like, let's do it. And I was like, I mean, I guess so. And that was kind of around August of this past year. And I was like, mm-hmm. I guess, like, I guess I can allow myself to accept that that could be a reality. Mm-hmm. And so then when this opportunity came around to play in just this, like, not super great, but co-ed rec league um, with a bunch of my friends and my husband, he, he like, he drugged me there. He was like, you're coming. Even if it's just <laughs> hang out, like, just come. Bring your yeah. shoes. Bring your knee pads. Right. Just be ready to maybe, like, I don't know, play some pepper on the side or whatever, but just come. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, fine. I'll come. I can do that. I can hang out. And it was like, no, we need a middle to play. You're a middle. You're playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny one there, buddy. And I just yeah. looked at him and I'm like, I don't have hops anymore, honey. How am I supposed to do this? Yeah. We're playing on a men's height net. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> and he's like, it's fine. Just play as much as you want. And when it's too much, then just we'll call it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, fine. Well, I played two full games. <laughs> yeah. And oh. don't get me wrong. I was in pain the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> it was not fun in that sense. But the joy of just being back in that environment and and getting to touch the ball again and even if it wasn't pretty just accepting that it was an opportunity to just have fun in that arena again like and he said it over and over to me too he was like you looked so happy you had so much joy on your face he's like I know you couldn't walk for a week after it's fine (laughs) we'll deal with that later yeah like it's possible, except that it's possible. And yeah. after that moment, I was like, no, I want this now. I want yeah. it now. Yeah. I just, I say that because I do, one, I want to say congratulations. <laughs> that is, you know, just, I know what that feels like. And I know the joy that that brings. And I'm so happy you got to experience that. And I just, I think that both of us want to encourage people that just be careful who you let dictate the yeah. parameters of your life. Absolutely. Because if someone tells you something and you believe it, then that's one thing. If someone tells you something and you're saying, I just don't, I don't think that that's true. Like trust mm-hmm. that you, you have the opportunity to set your own parameters and to let people in your life to speak truth into you. Um, you know, maybe it's like the doctor I had who said, I don't know, I don't know right now if you will play soccer, but I am going to do everything to allow you the chance to do that. Yeah. That's enough for me to be like, all right, if you're going to give me a chance, I'm going to take it, you know? So just, I think just be careful who you let speak in your life. And that includes yourself. Absolutely. Because what you were just saying too, Melissa, you're like, I don't know, maybe I don't, I'm fine with that. When really, I don't know if you were. And once you got the taste of it again, you're like, all right, I can, I can ask more of myself because I know that I'm, my body's capable and I can Mm -hmm. do it. Even, even though we've been through a lot, like I, I can trust myself again. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it is trusting yourself again and trusting your body again. Absolutely. That's the hugest part of that. Like, 
And for me at the time, it wasn't even fear of re-tearing. I was like, you know what? I've been through enough surgeries. If I re-tear it, I know the process, whatever. It was never that. (laughs) I think I just thought, oh, I'm too old now. I'm out of, I'm out of my prime. It wouldn't be as much fun. I won't be good. I I don't have any skill anymore. My touch on the ball would be horrendous. That's just embarrassing. I don't want to deal with that. It's like, don't let that dictate your life. Like, do not. You set your reality. Like, if you want to be good at it, you're going to go be good at it. Like, Mm -hmm. it might take time, but just, like, don't allow that to discourage you. I don't know. I was so mad that I let myself feel that way for so many years. Like, Mm -hmm. I could have had what I wanted. Why didn't I let that be my reality? Yeah. Well, it is now, and you have taken your power back, and I love it. The last thing I love asking people is just we have these scars now on our Mm. knees, and I personally love my scars, and they mean so much to me. So I just like to ask people what their scars mean to them. So Melissa, what do your scars mean to you? I think the word that always comes to mind is persistence, like persistence over anything else like yeah you keep getting kind of slammed up against the wall but you're not done you're never done even if you take a six to eight month hiatus from rehab you're never done like and in a good way not in like a oh gosh not this again way but like uh no you have the power like you said to take back your life and change it into the trajectory you want to take it in and yeah, I love my scars. I like, I want a tattoo, like, cause I have a really long one on the outside from that really nasty yeah. graph. I really want to take that and use it as a stem and tattoo like a flower above it. <laughs> yes, I like it. I think, I think you should. Cool. Do you have tattoos? Yeah, I have a couple just small ones on my arm and stuff. So cool. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. And when you do that, I want to see it. Hell yeah. That, that, can that sounds amazing. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, our scars. I love that persistence. That is really what you have been in this process. Mm. And I think because of that, what you give to other people who are going through it. So thank you for that. Thank you for um, everything you do in this this community because um, it takes an army of us, right? Because unfortunately, there's a lot of these injuries around, but I think that there are so many good people in this space trying to navigate it and be persistent and to help as many people as possible. So thank you, Melissa. Yeah, of course. I love being a part of it. I wouldn't change it for the world. All the people that come into the space as much as it's like the saddest kind of way we all come together as we Mm -hmm. often talk about. It's honestly also the most fulfilling and rewarding at the end of the day, like to just be a part of something like this. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, thank you for sharing everything with us. And yeah, I think people are really going to enjoy this story. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Well, that was a fun episode to record. I felt like Melissa and I really dug into some topics that we don't get to talk about a lot on this show, but to really listen to who speaks truth into your life, reevaluate what you're telling yourself. And if, is that true? Are you believing what you're saying to yourself? And to ask questions when, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in PT or with an orthopedic to really understand that you're, this, this is your one life. You get the opportunity to say yes or no to whatever's next when it comes to this rehab process. So make sure you're choosing people to be involved that you feel comfortable with. You can follow Melissa on Instagram at the ACL Collective. And like she said in the podcast, if you need a little break from either one of us, you can always hit the mute or uh, give us uh, unfollow for a little bit before you want to come back because this really is your journey. So you have to put in your life what serves you during this rehab process. 
but know that we are always here for you, trying to encourage you during your recovery. I hope you feel empowered and that not only do you have a better grip on how to understand some of the ins and outs of this rehab, but that you look down at your knee and you feel proud. So go out there and show your scars with pride.